another edition of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. We are your hosts, Jessica. And I am Chris Eaton. And joining us today, Jessica, is who? Mark, who's been on our podcast before. Once again, uh, <laughs> intruding where I'm not wanted. <laughs> no. <laughs> As I have said, you are now the official fifth Beatle of this podcast. We're actually in your yeah. home, so yes. technically so we're intruding yeah. you, yeah, but we're not wanted. Wait, did you ever watch that episode of Futurama where they meet the Star Trek cast? Uh, no. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So there, there's a joke in it because they couldn't get James Doohan to come in for it. Yeah. So they introduce. So when they go to this planet where this the this giant floating ball of gas, who's a giant Star Trek nerd, has the original cast. He took their heads and gave them all new bodies. They're introducing them like, and Fry's like, "Who the hell is that?" It's like, "Oh, this is Well." She's like, "Well," she's like, "Yes." In the uh, in twenty one forty four, like we did a a, a cross uh, country like uh, roadshow version of Star Trek. And James Doohan couldn't; he was unavailable. So since then, well, she's been a welcome member of our crew. Like he became the official, unofficial member. <laughs> and so, essentially, yes, you are our Welshie. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's 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 a term of endearment. <laughs> Welshie, that's opposed to Scotty. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because that's the thing too. Because they blast the alien blasts Welshie because the alien and Fry had this huge argument. Who's the bigger Star Trek fan? Yeah. And so he keeps unleashing his wrath on Welshie. Fry just meets this guy for two seconds. Well, she gets killed, and Fry's holding him like his body's like, well, she. <laughs> I cannot change the laws of physics. I guess <laughs> I have thirty minutes. <laughs> Big Fat Scotty was my favorite. I love the regular Scotty's great, but Big Fat Scotty. There's just something you cannot love. You can't. There's impossible not to love this dude. I'm I, going one day. I'm, I, we're going to do um, a Father's Day special on a round cast. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to sit in with my dad. I'm going to bring my dad onto the show. I'm going to have him tell the story when he got drunk with Big Fat Scotty at Comic-Con in like 1978 or oh something like that. Oh my gosh, oh, that he would be awesome. He like five and a half hours just sitting there getting drunk with Big Fat Scotty. It's like one of the greatest things in the world. So, so yeah, tune into that. It's, it's going to be great. So, But in the meantime, Jessica, what's going on right now in, in, in the movie-verse, if you will? There's, there's a little tiny independent film out there. It's a tiny, tiny small film that not a lot of people watch, mm-hmm. but it was called Avengers Age of Ultron. <laughs> I think as The new we, art, wasn't it? I think yeah, uh, it was limited run. Yeah, limited run. It did manage to surpass a billion dollars this week, so... Hmm. They didn't do as quite, uh, quite as fast as Furious 7. Oh, yeah. People <laughs> were like, oh. But it's like... It made a billion dollars in like 18 days. Come on. But we figured uh, this would be a good time to crack open the uh, the sacred halls of the Marvel run of Godzilla. So that's what we're going to do today. This whole this whole uh, episode is dedicated to the Marvel run, but we're not going to go in super detail. In fact, we're just going to talk about the ending. We're kind of going out of order. But uh, we, I felt it would be behooven of us not to talk about this for this episode. So... Um, going to go into it uh mark you grew up on these books right yes i was around when these books were originally released mm-hmm. and i did buy them off the rack from 7-eleven <laughs> and uh yeah but it was a big deal for me mm-hmm. uh actually a lot of sentimentality i had mentioned to you guys earlier uh my mother had given me the first issue she had gone grocery shopping and saw it on the rack at the grocery store and uh brought it home and gave it to me and i was was just blown away i read that thing probably a hundred times the first week and uh you know every month i'd go over to 7-eleven and buy the issues and there were a couple during its initial run that i missed and a couple years later did buy back issues of but it was a huge part of my childhood 
And it was that this was around yeah. the same time that Marvel was also putting another little book called The Shogun Warriors, mm-hmm. which was also drawn by Herb Trimpey. So, uh, Marvel in the let's say the late seventies, they were real big. They were getting into like the licensing thing. Like they yeah. pretty much went ape shit with licensing because uh, the Micronauts was also a big book back then as well. Yeah, micro, there was Micronauts. There was so they had Godzilla. They had um, Shogun Warriors. Then right after that, they picked up the Star Wars license. Yeah, 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 it was right like seventy eight, wasn't it? Right, seventy eight, seventy nine when those books came out. Mm, I think like seventy seven. Okay, so it was pretty much that year then. Yeah, uh, and then well, later on in Ron, but that was a couple years later. Yeah, so there was a good portion of like Marvel's like late hit, like later era where they were just licensing that. So uh, Godzilla at this point in time in the history was there was no movies anymore, at least in Japan. I don't think we had gotten Terra Godzilla yet. No, that and uh, Godzilla and Monster Island, those were still a ways from uh, actually showing up on American shores. Uh, was it New World that picked those up? Uh, no, uh, Terramech Godzilla was licensed by two different companies. Mm-hmm. Bobcon Films released the heavily edited Terror of Godzilla mm-hmm. in 79, and then, uh, <laughs> I forgot, it. another company released it to uh, television mm-hmm. in 79. Okay, so that was the Terror Mechagodzilla yeah. version, though, right? Yeah, and ironically, Terror Mechagodzilla came on TV before... The theatrical God- one? Yeah. Terror Godzilla? No, but before oh. uh, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. Really? Or, or Godzilla vs. the Cosmic Monster, or the Bionic Monster. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I saw Terror Mechagodzilla first, and then... You know, that's how I saw it, too, because I saw it on the Godzilla Marathon in, like, 1990. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in the late 70s, Channel 13 had Terror Mechagodzilla... And then Channel 5, uh, lit on the following year, mm-hmm. had Godzilla vs. the Cosmic Monster, which I was well aware of because I had the famous Monsters issue of God- that featured Godzilla vs. Bionic Monster mm-hmm. and called King Seesaw, King Seesaw, and <laughs> had all those nice, inaccurate uh, reporting. So this was a time when there wasn't much. I think Mattel had just started licensing, right? The, yeah. Uh, the figures. Actually, so. there was, I mean, compared to now, no, but yeah. actually for the late 70s, I mean, because I mean, I remember a time when finding anything in Godzilla was almost impossible, mm-hmm. especially in the states. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but in the late seventies, you no. Know, when you think about it, there actually was quite a bit. Mattel had the Shogun Warriors Godzilla, and then had the World's Greatest Monsters Rodan, which was technically the Shogun line. Yeah. Uh, uh, then there was the Godzilla Gang. Oh yeah, God, yeah. Mattel had Godzilla, the Godzilla Gang, which was Godzilla and a bunch of Ultraman monsters. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, I, I didn't know those existed until a couple years later. I was actually in 1980. Mm-hmm. I was at Universal Studios and actually saw those hanging up at the gift shop, and I had no idea those things existed. They were on a they were a, what, a, a card. They were on a peg, right? Like, yeah, yeah. They had a they, they were in a bag and they mm-hmm. had a, a header card. <laughs> yeah, skilled, skilled examples are very hard to find because I know some collectors who are going after those. And then Mattel also released the Godzilla game, mm-hmm. which was an American creation where the Godzilla pops out and grabs actually little P1 spaceships from Monster Zero. <laughs> so, I mean, there was a, you know, the artwork was very good on that. Uh, GLJ had um, the bendable Godzilla, mm-hmm. plus the, uh, there was a toy Godzilla watch. There were new, numerous puzzles from different uh, companies, APC. And then, uh, and then also the big Godzilla vs. Tricephalon playset. So when you think about it, there actually were quite a few Godzilla toys back then. A lot of them, though, besides the Mattel ones, which you know were national and you could find in Toys R Us's, uh, the rest were from very small companies, and you know that's why 
a lot of them don't exist anymore because they were really considered like rack toys mm -hmm. and uh, didn't get wide distribution. So, you know, even to this day, a lot of people have never seen them. Yeah. Well, you have the uh, the Godzilla versus the Tricephalon. I have all that stuff. Yeah, everything, got... everything that I mentioned, I have all of it. <laughs> That's one of the, I mean, I'm a huge nerd. I collect Godzilla stuff. But one of my focuses of collecting are the American toys from the 70s, mm -hmm. or 70s, 80s, and 90s, but especially back then. Um, luckily for me, a lot of people consider them garbage. And, <laughs> <laughs> but if anything, um, I've discussed this online, especially with uh, Sean Linkenbach, who's the author of uh, the Godzilla poster book that recently came out, The Art of Japanese Monsters. Um, he's also a big-time Godzilla collector. And no one but me and him really seem to care about these things. And we keep insisting to other collectors that, um, if anything, these things are more scarce than the Japanese toys. Yeah, so, well, they were like pretty much just, as you said, they were just rack. Yeah, they were, a lot of them were thrown you're away. You're getting out of Woolsworth uh, yeah. you know, on a Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, I mean if you're looking for an original Maru-san Godzilla or Bullmark, mm -hmm. you can find them. You're going to pay yeah. up the nose for them. You're going to pay a couple hundred dollars. Them. You can still find them. However, I, I challenge anyone... Try to find a GLJ Godzilla watch. Mm -hmm. You're not going to do it. It's, I'm the only, I have the only known specimen that anyone knows of. <laughs> and I lucked out because uh, Eric Bosser, the original owner, luckily his daughter was going to college. <laughs> and he had refused to sell it to me for years before that. But uh, he finally had to break down at 1G Fest and I lucked out and saw it because no one else gave a damn about the thing. But uh, I'll, I'll provide a photo of that thing for your show notes. <laughs> it's kind of an odd piece. So what? So okay. So an interesting time, in, yeah. especially in this history. So we have no new movies, but we have kind of a lot of new material out there, at least. Mm -hmm. So Marvel creates this line, um, or at least this comic line, drawn by Herb Trimpey, and uh, who is famous recently. for drawing the Hulk and is famous for being the first artist yes. to draw Wolverine. Mm -hmm. When I saw yes. him at Kamikaze. Everyone in line wanted him to draw a picture of Wolverine, a sketch yeah. of Wolverine. Yeah. I was like the only idiot there who wanted to see his Godzilla stuff and the Shogun Warrior stuff, which he was very thrilled with. Because he's just probably like, oh, okay, what, what Hulk or Wolverine do you want yeah. this time? He's like, no, no, I want to see something else. Yeah, because well, he mentioned he drew Transformers as well. Yeah. Oh, that's right, he did. The G.I. Joe versus Transformers. Yeah. yeah. So this episode's almost like an ode to him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cause that's because another, recently... Oh, yeah, that's another reason why I wanted to do this, because unfortunately, Mr. Trimpey just recently passed away so uh i figured it, it now it's better than ever you know especially considering avengers and his untimely passing you know we delve into this work because if you've never cracked the pages of a marvel godzilla book they are amazing that's how i knew his name mm -hmm. as a child is from the godzilla comics and yeah he drew all but what two issues i believe yeah, yeah he drew the the it was the batragon Tom, follow up one. Tom Sutton drew issues three and four with the Batragon and Dr. Demonicus. Yes. Arc. And everything else was him. And you can actually see his Godzilla evolve like through the pages too. Like he mm -hmm. was refining it always. Because um, that first book, the first issue, kind of has this, the look you would see on the cover. But as it went on, like he started slenderizing, the arms became longer. Yeah. And the eyes. That's the one thing I love how he did the eyes. It was just these black kind of with like like a there's a shine to him there's no pupil whatsoever to him giving him like this otherworldly look was, yeah in some, they look red yeah yeah blood red highlights mm -hmm. so maybe it's kind of like a dark red pupil i mean or big black eye and he did all the covers too right yes yes which are some like some of the most dynamic like his the i think it's issue eight 
where he's fighting uh, Red Ronin. Yes. On the cover, one of the best issues. The last issue, twenty four, is really nice. It's just that simple profile against the sunset. Yeah, walking way into the sunset. Yeah. Uh, and then the issue, the issues we're going to talk about too, where it's all it's the Avengers team, and you see yeah. Godzilla in the background, and you have as Stanley calls it, the Marvel dynamic pose. Yeah. And you have. Thor screaming off to the distance and he's yelling to the other Avengers and he's just like only yeah, only Yellow Jack and a Wasp can defeat Godzilla and it's just like how are the two smallest characters going to oh, defeat yeah. the largest <laughs> thing? It's, it was the beauty of Marvel. That's why Marvel comics were so great because there was a, 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 just a, almost um, what's the word I'm looking for? I want to say kind of like a glorious kind of uh, over-exaggerating to them but mm-hmm. um, they it worked. And like you look at those uh, every kind of like Back then, especially uh, this, like the uh, uh, Master Kung Fu covers, mm-hmm. it, yeah. yeah, every every issue is him either kicking the crap out of somebody or he's in peril of danger by someone else who can kick yeah. the crap out of him. Yeah, every the, book has something like that. The covers are they have that very Kirby esque dynamic where you're it's in mid action. Yes. there's always something really dynamic about it. In fact, you're mentioning the covers. Mm-hmm. The cover of issue number one is very iconic. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it even spread to Japan because for the longest time they used it uh, on mm-hmm. the official Godzilla seal that was, mm-hmm. which adorned every official Godzilla product out of Japan. Mm-hmm. You know, I asked Trippy about that. I told him, did you see any uh, royalties out of this? Yeah. He said, huh, that'd be nice, wouldn't yeah. it? <laughs> but, but it was used so many times. Uh, you look at the old uh, record album from the late 70s mm-hmm. of Godzilla. It was used on there. It was used on, on the Viewmaster. Did I have those U masters. I have yeah, those two. Those are, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they use all Trimpy's art. Yeah, that's they all have, his art. Yeah. They kind of modify it for, for that story. Mm-hmm. But you see it even today used on a lot of you know different it's uh, very items. Much, it's very much, they still use that, but they use um, Toho when they. And Toho was like, oh, we should use this for all the characters. Then they're like, okay, well, we got to drag out our own library for this. But that's still, they still use that Godzilla uh, stamp for pretty much everything now. So. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so let's let's delve into this. So uh, books run twenty four issues. Um, we have well, right now uh, I believe Rulers of Earth is going to break that record. So this, for the longest time, was the longest running Godzilla book. Mm-hmm. Um, Godzilla is it's not exactly the Godzilla of the movies, but it is very much the spirit of the character. Especially you can say far more than what the ninety eight movie ever was. Yes, um, he didn't shoot blue fire. He shot he breathed red fire, kind of like mm-hmm. a dragon. Spikes never lined up. He had one, pretty much one dominant row. Yeah. Yeah. And he was green, which was always the big thing, too. Mm-hmm. It's just like... But he didn't shoot lasers out of his eyes, like, as in the Hannibal no. cartoon. <laughs> Nor was that one look... Because that one, I always thought, looked like Godzilla was hitting the weights a little too heavy, too. Yeah. Like, he looked like a power lifter, like, most of the time. <laughs> like, his arms were just jacked up. It was a precursor to the Trendmasters figures in the very, 90s. Oh, very much so. So, pretty much the, the crux of the book, it, it's, again, this is for people who have never have read If you know the book, then you know, you know, how nutty things get. So, it starts off a simple, you know, monster number. They literally start the issue with him breaking out of an ice, iceberg uh-huh. and attacking an Alaskan pipeline. And from there, it's pretty much S.H.I.E.L.D. And they, that's the other thing. They very much embed this into the Marvel Universe. That's, the, that's one of the most he amazing things He was shrunken, it. and then mm-hmm. he came back out super big. Yes, that was, that was later on. And later, oh, later on, so the first, yeah. yeah, the first issue because we're we're kind of giving. Oh, them you're the, doing okay. Yeah, I thought you were starting. <laughs> yeah, from, yeah, yeah. Godzilla's basically people. making Godzilla's basically making his way from uh, Japan. Yes, yeah. and he's making his way all the way uh, down, along okay. the Pacific Rim yeah. to yeah. the United States. The first is they do kind of give him a little backstory that 
he has appeared before, but yes. they kind of like was never really anything heavy though. Yeah, in, the, in that first issue when uh, Doctor Doctor Takaguchi is explaining it to Nick Fury, mm-hmm. and uh, the Dum- only time Nick Fury shows up in the whole book, yeah, too. and Dum- even though it's a Shield heavy book, yeah, because Dum Dum Dugan and, and Gabe yeah, from yeah. the Howling Commandos mm-hmm. are the head of the Godzilla unit, yeah, and, and they know, got their own helicarrier, helicarrier, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, Doctor Takaguchi, who has the plans for Red Ronin, mm-hmm. is explaining that where Godzilla came from. And panels in the first and second issues show Godzilla fighting other monsters in Japan, mm-hmm. monsters which never appear again. Yeah. So it kind of establishes a connection to like, you no, know, the kind of like the Toho universe of Godzilla, but bringing it into the Marvel universe. Yes. So, and the fact that this thing's just heavily, because at first they don't, they, they, they kind of tiptoe around, other than S.H.I.E.L.D. being there, that it's like, okay, we're just, it's pretty much going to be like a show. No, no. Issue three, they just kind of throw everything off. And it's just like superhero bonanza. So issue three has the champions, a kind of like an off-kilter team at the time. In the 70s when everyone had a team. There was the defenders, there was the champions, the Avengers, and yeah. then you know the, many others. Well, as, as opposed to all the other superhero teams who were based out of New York, the champions yeah. were out of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So. And he had that, that lineup, that roster included Hercules, Black Widow, uh, Iceman, Angel, uh, for that book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other two were uh, Ghost Rider and Dark Star. Dark Star. So it's just a hodgepodge of people. So who who can we use for a team this time? Uh, we're not these guys aren't in an Avengers team. All right, throw them together and put them on the West Coast. Awesome. Which really saddens me that the fact that they can never really get a proper West Coast team ever to like That's take true. hold. West Coast Avengers. West like Coast Avengers the, never took hold. Either. All the also rans from you. Yeah, it was just like, hey, it's sort of War Machine over there. He ain't doing anything. It's like and black in the black you know uh, costume Spider Man too. Yeah. We got nothing to do with her. So from there, pretty much Godzilla tra- uh, traverses across the United States until he, and he fights uh, a, a Baron Zemo lookalike, that uh, Doctor Demonicus. 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 Yeah. He uh, fights cowboys. Doctor Demonicus also appeared in the Shogun line too. Did he? Yeah. Okay. See, I did not know that. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he gets abducted by aliens at some mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Fights a giant mm-hmm. Bigfoot. Yetrigar. Yetrigar uh, takes on essentially what is. I can only say is their version of the Shogun Warriors in it with uh, Red Ronin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, then goes back into space, fights more aliens, mm-hmm. comes back, gets shrank down by uh, pin particles, mm-hmm. fights a rat, comes back, is the size of a, uh, of a dude, hangs out with a little Japanese boy, wears yes. a trench coat too, yeah. walking Rock around, to- yeah. takes on the Fantastic Four, goes back in time to fight Devil Dinosaur and, and a yeah. bunch of other stuff, and then what we're going to talk about, comes back fully grown, to take on the Avengers and Fantastic Four and Shield, yeah. and just delves into a glorious battle <laughs> Like, and this is like not this isn't like a B team Avengers. This is like A level Avengers. Yes. yes. So we're going to talk about the last two issues. So pretty much where we're coming from, Godzilla just got done having his adventures in an alternate prehistoric past, which it turns out because they have uh, the Fantastic Four have Doc Doom's time device. Mm-hmm. And they send, they're going to, like, we're going to send Godzilla back to his own time. It'll be great. You know, we'll you know? get rid of him that way. Yeah. And that way it's like. To not, his people. Yeah, to his people. Not only it's like, <laughs> yeah, because if Godzilla was in prehistoric times, he'd be, his foot's bigger than a T-Rex. Yeah. So, but at that point, I think the shrink, they, he had, they had him at a moderate size at that point. Yeah, because it, uh, he, he shrunk down to the size of a rat, but mm-hmm. slowly as the shrink gas wears off. He gets bigger and yeah, bigger. Yeah, bigger and bigger gradually. So yeah. at this point, he's, he's the same size as Devil Dinosaur. Yes, which yeah. was, those, oh, those books are awesome. 
Yeah. Because <laughs> even as a kid, my dad was giving me to me uh, one at a time because he, he was acquiring them piece by piece. And at that point, like, I, he gave me a ton of old uh, Marvel stuff. He gave me a bunch of old Devil Dinosaurs. I'm like, oh, that'd be a great one, Dave. He fought Devil Dinosaur. And then, lo and behold, my dad brings the issues. I'm like, oh, my God, he does. Oh, I know. Yeah. So, uh, there's a time portal, somehow, in Devil Dinosaur's time. And Godzilla gets zapped back into uh, modern-day, well, modern-day New York for that, yeah. that point. And pretty much goes on a rampage. So pretty much he's gone from East Coast to West Coast mm-hmm. without even having to really do most of the work. Because he's been <laughs> teleported half the, halfway there, you know, half the time. Mm-hmm. So now it's uh, the Fantastic Four who have been dealing with them tell S.H.I.E.L.D. It's like, yeah, we can't do this on our own because he's in a populated area. So he tells Johnny, go get the Avengers. We need them. So this is where we come in. So Godzilla's on a rampage in New York. The Avengers are in their mansion somewhere like, like you know, in East Brooklyn, wherever they are. They're playing Monopoly. <laughs> Monopoly. They're playing Monopoly. In full, co- full costume. In full, full costume. costume, they're playing Monopoly. <laughs> and this is at a point when the Avengers did not reveal their identities to each other, too. Like, some people knew who Cap was, but everyone else pretty much was just like, yeah, I'm That's Iron Man. Yeah. yeah. That was when secret identities actually meant something back, back in those days. Um, a quick aside. That's... That's uh, exemplified by, uh, ironically, Red Ronin appeared in two issues of Avengers, like 198 and 199. Yes. And during the course of that run, uh, Ms. Marvel mm-hmm. reveals her identity to Scarlet Witch, mm-hmm. which was like a big deal. Yeah. They, they pretty much kept, it's like, yeah. our, our, public, our identities are our identities. Like, we, yeah. Yeah. we don't tell anybody. Now, it's in the what I like to call the post-Bendis era, it's like, all bets are off. Yeah. Like, pretty much, it's like, oh, you're a hero? What's your real name? Oh, okay. I'm Peter Parker. Yeah. Well, why would you do that, Peter? Why would you reveal to Tony Stark who you really are? But this was a much simpler time. So our roster of Avengers are Captain America, Scarlet Witch, Avenger, or Avenger, Vision, uh, Yellow Jacket, not Ant-Man, uh, Wasp, Thor, and Iron Man. Mm-hmm. So essentially you got the core team. Yes. And uh, they're all playing Monopoly. Human Torch shows up, tells them that there's a giant dinosaur, fire-breathing dinosaur running amok in, in New York. First thing Captain America says, yeah, we can send the team, but someone's got to stay here just in case other stuff goes down. And so Thor's like, well, Cap, you and Scarlet Witch stay here because you're, like, the most useless in the situation. <laughs> and Thor pretty much becomes field commander. And they take off and go to fight Godzilla with the Fantastic Four. So there's a beautiful mon- uh, sequence before... Uh, they show up where Godzilla's running around New York. He's not really, really doing any damage. It's just shield kind of like, you know, trying to attack him. There's a moment with J. Jonah Jameson where it's <laughs> almost... Where he's in a- yeah, where it's almost like out of... <laughs> it's almost out of the uh, the 98 film when Godzilla walks past Harry Shearer's character. Yeah. And they're just like, well, what's going on? Like, what's our lead? And, you know, Robbie sounds like, there's a big dinosaur. I don't see no big dinosaur. And literally walks, looks out the window. And there's one right behind right him behind through him. the window. And Jonah leans down, classic J. Jonah with, you know, Jameson uh, mannerisms, and starts yelling at Godzilla. And the comic even lays out, he's like, so annoyed by this tiny insect as Godzilla. He doesn't even give him the time of day with the fire breath. He just blasts him with a lot of hot air. And so Godzilla just pretty much just, like, exhales at him and knocks out all the windows in the Daily Bugle. Thus, annoying Jameson even more because the fact that, you know, he's got that damn webhead, you know, you know, causing ruckus for him. Yep. And then he yells at where the hell's Parker at because yeah. he needs to be getting pictures of this. So we come and 
we get Thor leading the way, and we get this cool shot of Thor pretty much doing what Thor does best. It's just like into battle and, you know, says his Thorian things. Moment, the first thing Thor does is slam him with the hammer. And the fact that it's pretty much when Mjorlin hits uh, Godzilla in the snout, there's a point where Godzilla's like grasping, grabbing at his nose. And it's just like the, the way that, uh, that the text puts it, it's like, never has Godzilla felt such pain as the, 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 the bite of New Orleans uh, steel. Which is great because earlier on, Hercules literally lifted Godzilla off his, uh, you know, threw him off his ass. And at this point, you would think that you know, they built New Orleans up as such a powerful thing that he actually smacked Godzilla with it, it could theoretically knock him down. Yeah. But then they build it's like, no, but it feels like a bee sting to him. Yeah. So after that, there's a great shot. They got Cap, they got uh, Vision, uh, Thor, and Human Torch all flying up at Godzilla, and he just unloads on him with his breath. Mm-hmm. Doesn't do anything to any of them, though, but just kind of knocks him out. So you have, off in the corner, while all this shenanigans going on, you have uh, Wasp and Yellowjack just kind of sitting there. They're like, huh. And Wasp was being very, like, well, what do we do? You know, we can't, we can't stop. We can't fight him. That's, That's when, small. yeah, it's like, well, why don't we do this? We get small. We go up into his ear and throw him off. It's like, that's a brilliant idea, Yeah, like idea, an equilibrium Vertigo yeah. thing. Brilliant yes. idea, Hank. And Hank being a little misogynistic towards Janet at this point, but it is the 70s, so it, it was a different time and place. Because he's Janet's kind of being the uh, word word uh, of sorts. So... They pretty much go in and take Godzilla. Like, there's literally a moment where they, they're inside Godzilla's ear, and they grow up, they just expand a little bit, and then they just start unloading inside of his head. And pretty much sending Godzilla, uh, you know, ass over kilter into the, uh, into the bay. And that leads uh, pretty much the Avengers, Fantastic Four, and S.H.I.E.L.D. pretty much just going on an all-out assault. And uh, it's just, you get one, you get probably the greatest splash pages they've ever done. It's Godzilla, you can just get from his head up, and you got the shield herald, he, he, blah, I can't even talk. Helicarrier. The helicarrier on one end, and you got Iron Man, Vision, and Thor all flying at him. You got a tiny yellow jacket and wasp throwing their sting, uh, sting attacks at him. And then you have, I think it's the Fantastic Four and the Hel- in their, their, Fantastic in car. the Fantastic Car. Uh, like Sue's like blasting him with like an invisible shield, and Reed's like piloting while Johnny's... Um, like shooting fire at him. It's just this. And Ben is shooting with this cannon. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's just it pretty much. If you want to see a just a snapshot of the Marvel universe at that point and just how freaking awesome it was, just look at this page. If you Google Godzilla Marvel mm-hmm. Avengers, that's usually the that's the pic- you'll see that yeah. with the cover for twenty three. Yeah. Those are the the two most common images that pop up. Mm-hmm. Because it was, you really think about it, it is nuts, but the, what other way were they going to end this, this exactly. Yeah, when I you got to have them fight the Avengers. A huge bang. Yes. And then the fact is, they don't even beat them either. No. no. It's the, like, they come, it's almost a stalemate, and it was the, uh, the, the young boy. Rob. Rob, who's been pretty much, he's the equivalent of a Gamma character in this whole series. Rob is Johnny Sacco. Yes. Because he's the only one who can pilot Red Ronin. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because it was Red Ronin had whatever... The brainwaves yeah. initially implant on Red Ronin. That's yeah, the only person he imprinted his brain pattern so only he can control Red Ronin. Yes, and he was using it just to keep Godzilla from uh, destroying destroying everything. things. You know, far more than he than he yeah. than he could. So, but Red Ronin was destroyed uh, in the battle with the Mega Monsters, mm-hmm. and so because well, Red Ronin had what five six issues about that. Yeah. yeah, but he does come back though. Like as you said, he came yeah, back to the Avengers. 
They actually used um, in uh, Earth X. Did you ever read Earth X? Mm -hmm, I have. Yeah. Yeah. He was uh, Stark. Actually, obtains um, Red Ronin. Yeah, Stark. And, He's kind of like a. Um, What's his name? Oh, uh, uh, um, the aviator guy. Um, Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes. Yeah. yeah. He becomes like a Howard Hughes. Reckless. He, he yeah. lives in Red Ronin, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Because it's big enough, he's underground. And yeah. it's because in that world, in the Earth X world, the, the Terrigan uh, Mists have been unleashed. So everyone's an inhuman. Everyone has powers. Nobody is not an inhuman. So and Stark feared for, his, feared for the world what would happen if he became super powerful with you know superpowers. So he locked himself away inside a red Ronin, and it wasn't until, which that book, if you want to talk about awesome splash pages, that has two really awesome splash pages. Stark pulls red Ronin out of like whatever junkyard he's in and goes to fight a celestial, and pretty much the red Ronin gets torn to pieces early on. But after that, though, Reed had sent a call out, and the call was met by Galactus showing up, and it's just this really awesome page because the celestials are just banging everything up. And you turn the page, and you just see this really pissed off Galactus standing in like uh, like um, the uh, 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 Hudson River, and he's just looking up. He's just got this look like I'm just gonna kick the crap out of you guys for you know showing up, and it's like ruining my day. And it is awesome. But the twist there's there's a twist to it that I won't reveal because it's it makes it bittersweet. The reason why I read Colin too. I have to read that. But yeah, oh, it was great. It's it's literally that I read that and Watchmen. And those are what put me back into comics. So my buddy's like, you gotta read Earth-X. Earth-X is great. Earth-X is really damn good. So Alec Ross... Yes, it's Marvel's answer to Kingdom Come. Yes, which I think was actually better than Kingdom Come. In my opinion. The follow-ups, not so much. <laughs> Earth-X is great. Uh, things like Universe-X, not so... Not, <laughs> not so good. You got a Wolverine that, that, that's retired, living with Jean Grey, and he's fat as hell, too. Yeah, all he does is watch TV, right? Yeah, he just watches TV. And then Ben Grimm has his little thing kids. Yeah. I read part of it, yeah. The, the Grimm boys, they're like yeah. the local neighborhood hooligans. Yeah. And yeah. Alicia Masters, kid, she's got like daredevil powers now. Like, she can, her eyes can see, but they see and like... Spider-Man has his daughter who's Spider-Woman. Yeah, and but then... she's got the Venom symbiote, so it's yeah. like, he's like, okay, what's, this is, un, this is not right, so... Yeah. I was going to say, there's a lot of memorable moments. I see. I like how we go from Dum Dum's face to Rob Takaguchi's face. Mm. And as a child, I always thought it was a girl. Looked like a little <laughs> Janet. Yeah. With the, with the thing. And then and the part is, there were some notable moments, obviously. Mm. Um, of course, they, of course, as we mentioned, they play, you know, they play Monopoly full in costume. Uh... I like because I love the fact that he's almost like he's like holding his ears mm -hmm. when we're talking about this is wasp and it's like he's holding his ears and falling back. It's like he tripped backwards. It is very much on the a, freeway. A, the he's 70, a human, yeah. It's a yeah, very the seventy style like, Godzilla movement. where they give him a lot of human personality to him. Like there's a yes. lot of stuff. There's also like a lot of like off kilter stuff, like him grazing on trees and stuff like this. Because yeah. uh, reportedly, when uh, Marvel was negotiating. With Toho mm -hmm. to get the rights for Godzilla, uh, when Stanley and uh, I think some of the, the Toho representatives at the time, and I believe Henry Saperstein, mm -hmm. uh, they wanted to see, okay, well, what are Godzilla movies like? Mm -hmm. They went to see what was in the theaters at the time, which was Godzilla versus Megalon. Okay, so that kind of explains <laughs> a lot. So yeah, so well, they, and then uh, like two, one and a half issues in. You still don't know where Peter Parker is. Yeah. He's been called. Where is this dude? Um, 
I love this shot because I know he's supposed to be young, but he looks like a 35-year-old man. Yeah. With, like, Rob's, so a... <laughs> Rob's face looks super... I remember some of my friends felt it was too racist, the way he was drawn. His eyes are very squinty. Yeah, all, all of the Asian characters uh, are super ultra-Asian, you know, yeah. very slanty eyes, mm. and, you know. And then, and then my, my last two parts I really liked is so Spider-Man ends up showing up like three pages to the end. Yeah. And he's like, oops, appears I'm a little too late to crash this party. And then he just takes a photo and then like leaves. And then you have the single Indian tear that comes down from Rob's eye in typical 70s fashion. I can almost make that into like an Andy Warhol. You could. Like you very several, much, you, you, several much painting. You very much could. I mean, that, but that, that's the brilliance of this whole series. It's... If you were looking at it now, like you, if anybody who's never read this today would be like, this is a fever dream. Like, yeah. what the hell? But back in like the, you know, especially when I was reading like in the, the very late 80s, early 90s, and my dad was getting these from it for me, it's like, yeah, pretty much this fell in line with a lot of stuff that was going on at Marvel at the time. And, but now you have everything went from 90s extreme, where everyone was jacked up on steroids and stuff, to now it's melodrama against melodrama. This, I mean, Godzilla. This, these books do re- really represent a a wackier time, but also a simpler time with Marvel. Yeah, it was a total product of the time, mm-hmm. and, but it worked though. It did. I mean, I thought I thought it ended beautifully. I mm-hmm. thought it ended great. I mean, it was it Just was Godzilla a, going on. Yeah, it was a great right? metaphor. It's like you know, he's fighting all the mightiest superheroes, mm-hmm. and they can't stop him. No. Who stops them? This kid. Yeah. You know, who formed a bond with them. Yeah, and there's leave. There, there's and, panels of just like a tiny little rod talking to him. Yeah. Yeah. He very much is the Gamma kid in this. Yeah. Like, yeah. But he's not, but instead of screaming Gamma, he's screaming Godzilla. Yeah. But he's the one who also puts the trench coat on when they're trying to get yeah. to uh, Brooklyn. Yeah, because he's trying to get Godzilla out, you know, back to the ocean mm. and out of there, trying to keep him from Fantastic Four. And he's the one always getting Dum Dum's hair about, it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you can't kill him. And he's like, okay, get the hell out of here. So it, it's, a, it's a fantastic story. I mean, ironically, now, back in the day, Oh, <laughs> when he's got him when there, he's tiny uh, mouse-sized Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah, Jessica, we got the we got the uh, trade paperback in front of us. Yeah, I like the part where he's like Godzilla's just holding Rob in his hand, like yeah. I would oh, hold a Russian yeah. dwarf hamster in mine. Yeah. And just looks at him. But the, you know, the, the comic did uh, uh, introduce a lot of characters that went beyond the Godzilla. Mm. You know, like for example, Doctor Demonicus. Mm. Uh, he's made appearances. Mm. You know, after you know, like I said, he also appeared in the Shogun Warriors book. Mm. The modern, the modern day Helicarrier came out of this book. Too. Yeah, because mm-hmm. the original Helicarrier uh, was destroyed by Hercules during the fight in San Francisco. Yeah. So they they made the modern Helicarrier the the behemoth. Yeah. The one that was meant to carry Godzilla. Yeah, because they captured Godzilla in issue number six. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was introduced in there. Then also Red Ronin, who's like you said, who's appeared in Earth X and. Uh, other issues of the he's Avengers. He's been all over the place. Yeah, he's probably the most uh, ubiquitous character that came mm-hmm. out of this book. Um, the the Yeti, uh, yeah, Yetrigar. Yetrigar. He's, he's also, also been a bunch of Avengers books. Yeah, actually, there was um, I don't know if it was West Coast Avengers or it was a regular Avengers, but literally they they when the event I forget which team it was, but when they do fight them, it's a two issue uh, book. They literally go from the exact. I think it is West Coast. Because they, they go to the exact spot in the Grand Canyon where he was buried. And oh. it literally takes place right after, you know, I like months that, after that. Like, they do, they make an offhanded mention of, because right, it was long after they lost the license. Yeah. But they do make an offhand mention. It's like, yeah, when this thing fought a giant fire-breathing, you know, lizard. Like, they, 
they do keep them. The events of this book still technically are canon. They just yeah. have to work around not like, using Godzilla's name. Like you said, if, uh, you, even years after, I mean, you still saw in Iron Man, supposedly mm-hmm. that was Godzilla, yeah. who was genetically modified by Dr. Demonicus again. Yes. And then also... He became one of the Mole Man's uh, monsters afterwards. Too. And, then, and then, interestingly enough, mm-hmm. Godzilla was mentioned in the third issue of the Transformers book from Marvel. Really? There was a... Is uh, the uh, in num- issue number three? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Decepticons have this uh, base up in uh, I think Oregon or Washington, mm-hmm. and Spider-Man makes an appearance in that book. Mm-hmm. That's the only time in in the Transformers Marvel run that a superhero appears. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man goes up there, but uh, the media is covering it, and then uh, you see one panel where Nick Fury is reading a paper, and Dum Dum Dugan comes behind and said, "Nick, we have to go check out what's going on in Oregon or Washington." Mm-hmm. And he, he tells him, "Dum Dum." If that giant fire-breathing lizard is out again, I quit. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. So it, it's it's a it's an I, I can't go on enough about how much I love it. And a lot of people do cite it too that it is one of the better non-Toho guys' little stories. Yeah, I mean, cause honestly, a lot of people give it grief, you know, because they they mention, oh, Godzilla fights a rat. That was like one. Well, part of one issue. But you know, they dare do stuff that yeah. some of the other the films wouldn't even bother with. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to have seen that that. That fight with the Avengers on film, or yeah. Godzilla and Red Ronin against the Mega Monsters, that mm-hmm. was fantastic. It's all great stuff. And uh, but you compared the the Marvel run to like the Dark Horse run, which mm-hmm. was actually had a couple of different arcs in it as well. But yeah. toward the end, I mean, no disrespect to you know <laughs> what's the Repo Man director? Oh, Alex Cox. Yeah, Alex Cox. Uh, his He's, time travel run. Yeah, that was that was ridiculous. You know, it, 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 and this is the guy that wrote TriStar and said, it, you know, uh, my take on Godzilla is that, you know, we're going with the female version and all this other stuff. Yeah, so I'm glad he never got a hold of it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, same thing with uh, Tim Burton. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the the Dark Horse series started out good. Mm-hmm. But when it first started, uh, it started with a one-shot. That black and white one. Yeah, which was actually very atmospheric and very good, mm-hmm. which... Uh, Tied into the later issues. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, they did a five-issue run, which was just a straight adaptation of a Godzilla manga adaptation mm-hmm. of a Godzilla 84. And then when they started doing original um, so stories... Art like, Adams books started. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They introduced the, the, the G-Force. Mm-hmm. And then they tied it in because uh, that woman from the, the first one-shot, you know, she was a scientist uh, who was obsessed on destroying Godzilla for yeah, killing her the, parents. She was the girl, little girl in the first book. Yeah. She was the And ca- the guy, the, the construction foreman... Who mm-hmm. ended up dragging the slab yeah. with her father yeah. on the other helicopter. He ends up taking her in. They, they show up in the Dark Horse uh, Presents two-part two story, which led into the main run. Yes. But it was after that, they kind of dropped that kind of storyline that they built and then just kind of went off on their own. It was kind of interesting adventure. because they, they tied it into the Toho series because they brought back the Black Hole Aliens, the gorillas. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, that was Art Adams because yes. he wrote that story. So yeah. you could definitely tell, like... This had like they tiptoed around a couple of things on yeah. that one, and then there was the Godzilla uh, color one shot, which had the the, the version of Daimajin. Yeah, the uh, uh, Gikujin, I think it was his name. Uh, Gekidojin. Gekidojin. Yeah. yeah. What's funny is that the the priestess, whose name was uh, her name was Okimune, mm-hmm. which translates into big breast. <laughs> I, I never understood that. Again, Adams. That's yeah, uh, Art that's... Adams. If you've, you've ever seen Art Adams work, you could tell the man is not shy about how he draws his ladies. They, but she was very modest. Yeah, she was very modest. But it, it, the name didn't make sense, you know. It's all, well, it's almost like a Dragon Ball joke where all the characters are named yeah. after, like, you know, either clothing or food or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, Bulma is pretty much, that means underwear, and like, in some point, so. 
That's why her son's name was Trunks. <laughs> it makes sense. Full of briefs. Trunks yeah. briefs. There you go. But, uh, but no, so uh, we'll, we're going to go deeper into it eventually because when Fantastic Four comes out, I want to talk about the Fantastic Four issues because those are just nutty yeah. in their own way. But uh, you, have a, you have a quick little story about meeting Herb Champy, don't you? Yeah. Uh, in November of 2013, uh, I attended. In fact, that's when I met you guys. Yes. You did your uh, the, panel. The panel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's when I met you guys at, uh, at uh, Stanley's Kamikaze mm -hmm. in Los Angeles Convention Center. Uh, I, I specifically went to that show to mm -hmm. go to your guys' panel. That's why I went. Aww. And uh, <laughs> I introduced myself to you, and, you know, that's, lo and behold, we, here we are. Yeah. But uh, just by chance, I was looking at the list of guests, and Herb Trimpe was on the list. Mm -hmm. Out of all the artists, out of all the actors mm -hmm. who were there, that's the only one I gave a damn about. Like, oh, my God, Herb Trimpe's here. Everyone's excited about a different type of person. Yeah, and, and it took us about 45 minutes to find him. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, you know, we were looking. Tossed him in the back. Yeah, and honestly, yeah. he was one. I think he was the only artist that didn't have a big banner with his name no, on it. He was, a, he was in a corner booth. A corner booth with a little uh, eight by ten. You know, um, I, I'm sure what the convention provided a uh, Xerox and a herb trim. Yeah, you know, pretty much that was it. And, uh, he had he had a bunch of books laying out. Yeah, they even spelled sketches, his name wrong. Yeah, yeah and uh, he was there, and of course, everyone was in line because they wanted him to draw Wolverine. Yeah. So I was in line. I was excited to meet him, and I, you know, I went. I, I purchased a, an issue number one of Godzilla to have him sign, probably my sixth copy of it. <laughs> but when I, I met him, uh, he was there with his uh, wife or girlfriend, and uh, a couple of things kind of. Uh, he noticed me, and we started striking up a conversation. One, when I told him what my last name was, mm -hmm. uh, his wife's like, "Oh, how do you know?" She's like, "That's my daughter's name. Her name by marriage." And, mm -hmm. Trippy started, uh, me and him started talking, joking about how people uh, mispronounce our last names. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I told him, oh, I said, I love your run on Godzilla and Shogun Warriors. And his eyes lit up when I said Shogun Warriors. Mm -hmm. He said, the Shoguns, he said, I love the Shogun Warriors. He said, I, yeah. I loved drawing them. He, he said, he told me, much more so than the Transformers. He said, I don't really care for the Transformers, he said, mm -hmm. but I love the Shoguns. And I told him, yeah, I said, that was, you know, since both came out at the same time you drew both of them and said everyone was waiting for mm -hmm. a big crossover a crossover he said mm -hmm. yeah he said licensee prevented that and I told him well I said that's the one thing I always wanted to see when I was a kid mm -hmm. and I asked him because he was doing commissions I said would you do a drawing of Godzilla fighting all three Shogun warriors mm -hmm. so he said oh it's something I'm going to have to do you know I can't do it here because it's, you know, it's four characters it's two. I mm -hmm. told him well, by all means take your time with it mm -hmm. but I did pay for the commission and two weeks later in the, in the mail I got a big envelope with an original sketch of the Marvel Godzilla fighting all three Shogun Warriors. And we're looking at it right here. And we have it right in front of us. And uh, this is one of probably one of the most treasured things I have. And especially now that he's gone, mm -hmm. you know, it's just an amazing thing. Yeah, it's it all. Can we we can put this up, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll give you. I'll, I'll provide a, a, a actual scan of it because I've I put it on Facebook before, but only like a photo yeah, of me holding picture. it. Yeah, I'll actually give you a scan. It's of a it. it's a beautiful piece. And yeah, it's got pretty much like Godzilla locked in combat with all three. Yeah, God, yeah. Godzilla has a hold of a Combatra. Dangard Ace is behind him, and Raydeen is above him, shooting <laughs> missiles at him. So uh, beautiful piece, and you know it, it's it's a detriment to Mister Trumpy's work because he had, he had a brilliant design style to it too, like. 
there's not you know you don't, it's something you actually don't see nowadays either so mm -hmm. like that he very much was um marvel at that time and place too like a, a lot of people kind of had a similar style a very kirby inspired kirby-esque yeah, like yeah. him mm -hmm. trimpy and also ron wilson mm -hmm. uh, uh had a very similar style so well you know we pay our our, our, our proper homage to the, to this great man so yeah. and when i i that i met him that same show because i was going through the guests i'm like oh shit i can't decide one of my uh my my books too. Yeah. Although unfortunately, I think I caught him at the end of the day when he yeah. was just sick of Wolverine. Yeah. Like commissions. <laughs> Everyone's just like, "Hold on, Wolverine." I'm standing. I go up. And I'm like, uh, "Mr. Trimble, would you mind signing this?" He looks like, "Oh God, it's all." I'm like, "Yeah, man. You know, I grew up on this book." He's like, "Yeah, that's great." Yeah. All right, here you go. See you. I'm like, "Okay, okay." I I because when I talked to you about it, because I just it's like he kind of just blew me off. I didn't, I thought maybe like this was like a. a because some people have sore spots with their careers. Like, yeah. this was, I just did this for... For money. For money. Or, As yeah. Mr. Delgado once fam you know, told us on this, he's like, some projects you do for the paycheck. Yeah. I thought that might have been that, but when you brought up, it's like, no, no, he, like, he, you know, he talked highly of, you know, especially Shogun Warriors. No, he loved the Shogun Warriors. Yeah, it's like, okay, I think I just commented really because... Also, three, he's 73 at that time. Yeah, and I, the, three, the yeah. three people ahead of me while I was waiting in line had a stack of Hulk books... As thick of as thick of a phone book, and they were having him sign every single one of those. <laughs> and then the the guy behind him had a, a whole commission that he had did, but it left it half blank. He was like, "I'm going to get him to do Wolverine on the side." I'm like, and as I see him, he's drawing like another Wolverine, and then there's another Wolverine to the side, and another one. It's all the old yeah. school original costume Wolverine too. I'm just like, I'm pretty. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's paying you know whatever credit card bills he's got right now, but like, there's got to be. Part of him just is like, okay, I'm sick of doing this crap. And now. also, I'm sure one of the things he's probably thinking too is, I know these guys are going to turn around and sell this yeah. for much more than I'm charging for my autograph. Unfortunately, and uh, that's that's the sad thing now because yeah, I did look on eBay afterwards. Um, someone had a signed Wolver uh, Hulk. Was it 172? Once I forget which one of the Wolverine ones, but he did sign it like a week prior. So it was like it's a three four hundred dollar book. Like it's it's surprisingly not as expensive as you would think it is. Like X, uh, giant size X Men one goes for a lot more than that first appearance Wolverine, tripled in value, especially with his name on yeah. it too. So yeah. you know, you know, one thing that I did discuss with him, mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't get a chance to follow through with, which, which I regret now, because mm -hmm. I did talk with him about this, because I did go over uh, my personal project with him. You know, the whole Wolf Never's Godzilla Kaiju Gaiden mm -hmm. thing. Back then, it was you know Kaiju Gaiden was just like in its infancy of an idea. But, you know, I showed him a bit of Wolf Members of Godzilla. He thought it was pretty cool. And I was going to commission him to do an original drawing of his Godzilla mm -hmm. fighting his interpretation of a giant white wolf oh, man. Oh, that would have been cool. And he thought that was a pretty cool idea. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. I never followed through with it. I thought, I'll do it at a later date. But can you imagine mm -hmm. Herb Trimpey style with that would have looked that like? Been, that would have been awesome. Because it would be unique and one of a mm -hmm. kind, yes. just like this piece is. Mm -hmm. Now, Jessica, you're the big comic book fan here. Yes. Where does this hold in the annuals of Godzilla comics for you? Number one, Number actually. One. Chris Mowry, we love you. <laughs> Matt Frank, we also we love you too. Jeff Zornow. But, uh, love but because these were one of the first that I remember reading. Because mm -hmm. Godzilla was something I only ever saw on TV. Mm -hmm. And then one day, I think it was said, my mom was like, 
guess what? You know, there's such thing as Godzilla comics. And then she found out it was Marvel. And she goes, oh, that monster has no business being in the same universe as Captain America. <laughs> like, she, she thought that was, like, the dumbest. She was like, mom, because there's a clear winner. <laughs> yeah, she was like, oh, that's stupid. Um, like, flat out. I mean, it crushed my little heart for two minutes. Hmm. But then... But I was so, so, so excited because I've only ever seen him in TV version. I've never seen him in any other medium or any other platform. So when I had him in comics and it was in color, Mm -hmm. I was very, very, very excited. And I remember reading through them and I was just so at the time didn't quite understand everything that was going on. So, I mean, when you're like six or five, then like, you know, but my mom, you know, yeah, she found a bunch of old school. It was like antique, you know, like all these Sometimes bookstores will sell back issues and other stuff. Oh, there was a point in time. Yeah, and these so were she was in the twenty-five cent bin for the longest time. Yeah, yeah, and my mom is like, "Oh, my daughter likes Godzilla, yeah. so I'll just get you know give this to her and get it, and she'll be happy for like a month or something like that." So, no, they hold up very, very high in um, for me value in terms of sentimental reasons. Yeah, so I was super, super, super excited. Oh, you hold them? Do you hold them higher than the Dark Horse run? Uh. Because these came earlier, yeah. So yeah. pretty much they got to you first. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's usually the first things, yeah. I mean, I love Dark Horses Run. Everything mm-hmm. was great. I even like when Japan, you mm-hmm. know, made, obviously, their mangas of Godzilla. But it was my first experience with it, you know, in like bold American colors. Mm-hmm. Also with the whole devil dinosaur. And my mom tried to find as many as she could to like number them. Um you know, and then when the Avengers came, it was like crossover explosion. <laughs> and I was like, where are they going to fight the Justice League? He, and it never, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Even there's a mock-up. There's an artist that did a mock-up. Yes, like the there's a mock-up. Yeah. I'll so. provide those, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I was just so excited because he was like crossing over. And then like, I remember like really telling my mom about it. And she was like, how is he losing to the Avengers? Like... <laughs> She's like, I don't understand. Um, did look through, did look through a couple of the photos. I mean, a couple of the sequential art. My mother definitely thought Rob was drawn a little bit racist. <laughs> um, but I remember, no, she, she, like, this holds very high for me because it was something that you know I loved, and also my mother knew that I loved, so she also bought them for me. Um, I remember being like in space in comics. I mean, we've already seen them in space, you know. But yeah. I was like, holy crap! Like, no, there, it was amazing. There were a ton of great, great tropes. I mean, we haven't given any any love to the writer. Um, yeah. Doug Munch. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, he pretty much, you know, this seemed like it was, mm-hmm. I mean, this, I, if you don't know the name, he actually did the Nightfall series for um, D, uh, for DC. He wrote Batman Nightfall, I believe. Yes. So, if you were in the 90s, you were probably obsessed with the awesome extreme Batman that was the John Paul Valley yeah. version. Yeah. Yeah. Where Batman, Bane yeah. broke Batman's back. So. And I think what really surprised me was this was the first time I realized I didn't know what the term was, but now we know it's called licensing. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, Devil Dinosaur. Those were all Marvel characters. I mm. was like, well, I would thought maybe like Godzilla Comics would be published by like a Japanese American com- you know, company. Mm-hmm. Was it? So I was surprised it was published by Marvel Comics because I, th- I was like, oh, it should be by Toho Publis- Publications yeah. or something like that. But it was in Marvel. And then that's when I realized licensing made anything possible <laughs> in the future. So my mind went wild as a kid. I was like, holy crap. Well, we could see like a Transformers, Justice League, 
you know, like image cross. And I mean, that never happened. Yeah, but, but it that's... surprised me. Sadly, in that same vein, it's also the Great Blockade too that it keeps is. things from happening. So, mm-hmm. according to Stanley's notes in issue number one, mm-hmm. according to him, mm-hmm. Toho was about to launch a Godzilla comic in the U.S. Really? Until he approached them uh, to do it to do it for Marvel. Mm-hmm. I, I've never come across anything, you know, more about that. But you know, I thought it was an interesting quote on his part. It'd be something to try to, you know, see if he remembers anything about that. Yeah. There was a great picture of Stan meeting Go Nagai when they were getting the Shogun Warriors license. Yeah. And they were going to try to bring Go over to do some Marvel work, which if you know anything of Go Nagai, yeah. would have been insane. <laughs> What's Just interesting? nuts. That was interesting. He meant Go Nagai, yet none of the Shogun Warriors were Go Nagai's No, they weren't. Like, they loved, because all the, the Shogun Warriors were actually, um, there was a Grandizer, uh, Mazinger and Guy King, wasn't it? But they're part of the series. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, well, not the Marvel series. Yeah, they, they, were, they were they were in the toy line. In the toy line, yeah. The only Shoguns used in the series were Raidine, mm-hmm. Dengar, Ace, and Combatra. Yeah, which were I think their own creations, right? Uh, yeah, uh, they're all uh, Toei, I think. Yeah. So, but you know, it's one it's one of those weird kind of because ironically, the Shogun Warriors is what led. Uh, totally, because Marvel made it like almost like a trade deal. Mm-hmm. So it was because of, they gave him the show. They gave him what is essentially the Shogun Warriors. Yeah. And um, Marvel gave him use of Spider Man, which led to the Spider Man series, the in, nutty you know yeah. uh, Sentai one, which actually gave birth to the Sentai series. Like yeah. it was wasn't for it wasn't for that trade off. You wouldn't have Power Rangers today. Yeah. So pretty much it all comes around in a big circle. <laughs> interesting, interesting stuff. All right. Well, we got a few things I want to touch on before uh, we finish off this episode. Real quick, Jessica, did you hear about uh, uh, Anne Hathaway's new monster movie she's going to be doing? I have not. Is it is it a photo of her on the... No, no, that I don't think I have. It, I saw it, a recent photo of her looking like she was in some sort of horror movie thing, but it, it was in development hell. And No, no, it's not that. She actually is going to be in a film for Vin... Uh, uh, not... Oh, God. Blanking the same, not uh, Nacho Vitelli. I'm horribly the guy that made Time Crimes. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. So he about six months ago put out there. He's like, I'm working on a, my own Godzilla movie. I'm like, wait, you're making a guy? It's like, well, no, it's not a Godzilla movie, but it's like a Godzilla movie. It's a giant monster film, and I want to do it exactly like Toho did with the suits and the models and everything. They're like, okay, okay, we're we're listening because he has a lot of pull because people love Time Crimes. If you haven't seen it, it's a weird trippy film you know it plays around with a lot of uh, time travel aspects so he's like yes this is what I'm going to do I'm going to make a big low budget giant monster film so it's going to be called Colossal and Anne Hathaway start on the sign to, to be in it which is being described as kind of like a rom-com set to a giant monster film and the way he's describing it, it's like yes so we have models being built we have a suit being created right now and I've he apparently has discovered a way to shoot these as realistically as possible with pain, without it being tongue-in-cheek, but also paying great homage to the classic Toho film. So he's going to use traditional tokusatsu He's reusing traditional, yeah. He's like, because, Kudos to him for that. Yeah, because he's like, look, I got only so much of a budget, and I want to do it like how you know the Japanese films did it. So, But if you, if you watched this last one, it was, um, was it Extraterrestrial? Where there's a giant UFO sitting outside of um, Madrid. 
But the whole film is based around this couple having an argument inside their apartment while there's a giant UFO and all this other stuff going on outside. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's a, it's it was a it was a it was almost a comedy set to, to all this weird chaos going on in the back. So this sounds like that's what he's aiming to do with this. There's one. something for all genders then. Yes. So colossal. So this is not. Yeah, when I saw this uh, announcement video on the internet, mm-hmm. I got it confused with uh, enormous. enormous. Yes. Yeah, which I did not like. No. Well, enormous is being redone now. Fox is. Now doing it because there was like some kind of web series. Machinima originally had yes. so Machinima's yeah. moving. They're not moving forward with it. Fox is moving forward because with it. I, I, I and I really hope that they kind of retool it because I didn't care for that web series. And then I had the original book and I gave it to a kid because it was mm-hmm. so boring. Well, Jeff, uh, you're you're a bit of a fan of Enormous, aren't you? Yeah, I read it for the mostly for the story and hoping that is it still it going will... on? Yeah, they, they uh, yeah. relaunched it. Oh. The they relaunched piece. it, yeah. So you can get the trade right now. It's like the first eight issues. It's a little bit confusing, I think, for some of the people who the, don't quite the know what they're getting. really nice in it, though. They got that... It's got a very... Well, yeah, the artwork is great. It's mm-hmm. just the story. But, no, maybe because I didn't go past the first trade that came out. Yeah. Well, that was, it pretty much was a one-shot, I think, that first issue. Yeah. So... It kind of reminded me, like, a cross yeah. between... Um, the Walking Dead with Kaiju and kind I think of, that was the initial idea. Yeah. That's what Machinima pitched their series as. Yeah, and also I saw a lot of uh, what's that one with the dragons? Um, with with, uh, with Batman. Oh, oh, uh, Rain of Fire. Rain of Fire. Rain of Fire. I saw a lot of Rain yeah. of Fire in it. Yeah, which was a fun film. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I like that movie. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I kind of want to touch upon is uh, because, well, I, I kind of broke the story thanks to Mark. Uh, Chayo is moving forward with their Ultraman license. Now, if you don't know, Mark, Mark, can you give a very, in so many words, can you give a brief history of what happened with Chayo and Ultraman? Chayo is a Thai company uh, headed by Sampot Sangwadechi, Sangwadechai, mm-hmm. I think it's pronounced, uh, otherwise known as Sampot Sands. Anyway, they claim ownership of the foreign rights outside of Japan for the first six Ultra series. Yeah, so Ultra Q to Ultra Toro. Yeah. And Jambor Gates. Yes. Uh, supposedly this was a contract drawn up uh, in the mid-70s where the rights were given were uh, given to They were Chayo. licensed, yeah. Yeah. Uh, from Noboru Tsuburaya, the son of Eiji Tsuburaya, uh, because um, it, it, it's complex. I mean, uh you could probably put in a link to Sci-Fi Japan's article. That's yes, very. I'll add that because yeah, it, it's real complicated. Yeah. So anyway, there's been a court. There's been legal battles for the past two decades mm-hmm. uh, uh, between Subaraya and Chayo regarding the foreign rights to Ultraman. Because Chayo did produce an, an, an official Ultraman movie, did they not? Or... Yes, they did. Yeah, because yeah. that's how this all started. Mm-hmm. Subaraya did cooperate with them. Uh, what's known as Six Ultra Brothers versus the Monster Army here, and that that was. Uh, produced by Chayo in Thailand, mm-hmm. and that introduced their own hero. They created uh, Hanuman. Right? Well, yeah, well, Hanuman's a, an actual uh, uh, mythological figure mm-hmm. in Thailand and, and other, other other countries. Uh, he's a monkey god, mm-hmm. and uh, but they had him because he was like a superhero. Yeah, and uh, he enlists the help of the Ultra Brothers in fighting a monster army that's invaded Thailand. Mm-hmm. They used a lot of the kaiju from the Ultra series. Anyway, it's a, it's a very odd film, and uh, it, but it was an incredible success in Thailand and also in other countries as well. And uh, interestingly enough, Chayo said, hey, we could do this. Why don't we do it with the Kamen Riders? Mm-hmm. So they asked Toei, hey, can we use Kamen Riders? Toei told them, no way in hell. Mm-hmm. 
And then Tyler said, okay, we'll make a movie anyway. So, Five Riders versus the Devil, I think it's called. Uh, that's another Chayo production. And they also did a couple other ones uh, where John Borghese meets uh, uh, a giant statue. I, I call it Time Magine. Mm -hmm. But it's... Uh, they have some weird movies like uh, Magic Lizard and uh, The Noble War. They produced a lot of things. Are they the ones that made Magic? Uh, the, that's not what I'm thinking of with the... The dragon and the toe monster, is it? No, that's Magic Serpent. Okay, Magic Serpent. Yeah, okay. Magic Lizard is even more bizarre. Okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, they're actually quite a prolific company. Uh, I think he also did that movie Crocodile in the ah, early 80s. Ah, yeah, that's a big exploitation film. Yeah, and, um, but they're, they're a pretty big company. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this is their latest attempt to uh, break into the American market with Ultraman. Mm-hmm. In the early 2000s, um, they did license some time-made Ultraman uh, figures that did appear, like, at Tower Records. Mm -hmm. But uh, It was for a project they were working on, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, it literally called Project Ultraman. Yeah, right? Project Ultraman was a, a movie that was actually produced and finished. They actually had a, an entire uh, red carpet uh, premiere type of thing. But, you know, a lawsuit by Tsubaya prevented its release because... Uh, by this point, Chaya was making its own Ultra characters. Yeah, they weren't just sticking to the established Ultraman that Subaraya made. Mm -hmm. They have uh, Ultraman Millennium, Ultraman Elite, and Ultraman Dark, which was an evil Ultraman. An evil Ultraman, yeah. Before Ultraman Belial came out, yes, yeah. And Ultraman Millennium looks exactly like Ultraman Powered. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's Ultraman Elite, which has these big eyes that go all the way to the back of its head. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's when Subaraya really slammed him, saying, hey, you have no right to make your own Ultra characters. Mm -hmm. The characters to this day still appear in live stage shows in Thailand. Mm -hmm. Because they're actually... Well, you got those suits, you got to do something like yeah. that. Yeah, and there are actually Subaraya uh, authorized live stage shows in Thailand as well, mm -hmm. as Japan. So it's, it's a big mess. But anyway, what they're doing now is that they're attempting, once again, because they tried this two years ago, uh, to make... Um, a line of ultra toys to sell here in the U.S. They have they, a whole, whole new company behind them. Yeah, originally they were they were going to, and then Subaraya sued them again. Or actually, it was another injunction, wasn't it? It was a, it was a combination of things. Uh, uh, some of in their old website two years ago, some of the things they were promising were uh, a set of prints from Tol Narita, mm -hmm. Narita, who um, designed the original Ultraman, plus a lot of the kaiju from mm -hmm. Ultraman. He was the original artist who who designed all those. They were going to offer prints of his original paintings, in addition to posters of Ultraman, like poster sets, yeah, and a book which was basically an English um, language history of uh, of Sampot yeah. and his career at Toho and in China. <laughs> <laughs> During that time, I met. With with the president of the company who was in charge of all the merchandise at the time, mm -hmm. uh, the company was called Kumedia. I had lunch with them a couple times to talk about what they were doing, and I was uh, I was given a copy of the book because only a few test pressings were made up. Yeah, and uh, they, they were out here at uh, Frankenstein's. Yeah, that's promoting I, it. Yeah, Samput was there, and that's when I met him, and, and you know I I met up with uh, him and. Uh, representatives and I was kind of covering what they were doing and um, so I was given a copy of the book which was, I, I thought was very cool and uh, months went by and they kept saying okay well these 
these things should be available in a few weeks, and the book should be available online in a few weeks. But months went by, the site, the website was never updated, and uh, I believe the, uh, the family of Narita uh, put a stop to the poster sets, and there were also some issues with uh, the company was handling uh, all the merchandising, mm -hmm. and uh, nothing ever became of it. Fast forward to now, a new company is, is uh, signed with Chayo, mm -hmm. and Sampa was once again at Frank and Sons with a lot of prototypes of these things coming out, <laughs> which some Ultraman figures, these collector ones, which are covered in crystals and yes. are 10 grand a piece. Uh, they're the gaudiest thing you've ever seen. Yes. So gaudy, but I want to own it. Yeah, I know. There is something. There is the something. There, yeah, you, like Sparsky crystals. It, it, it's weird because I worked, I, when, I, when I worked for Hunt, I worked in a predominantly Asian area. It was both Korean and Vietnamese. The one thing I noticed about each of them, they both had some weird gaudy thing from like Western culture that they latched onto. The uh, the Koreans it was all it was gold for some reason they love a golden like gold like golding up everything kind of like kind of like uh, the Persian culture does. The Vietnamese though it was neon for some reason like everything that they had that any 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 Vietnamese place I wanted looked like uh, the setting from Big Trouble in Little China like the <laughs> underground yeah like like even their their little shrines to Jesus and Buddhas that they had were they looked like nineteen eighties like, uh, uh, like underground clubs <laughs> just these neon. It, they're purple and red too. A lot of those colors, and just like, like they're like Buddha's getting down with some you know e right now, and he's having a good time. It's just like this is the weirdest thing with the ties because I, I worked with a, a gentleman from Thailand. And he's just like yeah, you show me pictures, crystals on everything. Everything is like decked out, blinged out. They love sense. this stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought they were. I thought they'd probably be like a couple hundred bucks. <laughs> I looked at the website, oh, $10,000. Yeah. Are you crowding your mind? Well, here's the thing. So that led to um, myself and uh, Paula from uh, uh, Tokusaka Network yes. being invited, thanks to Mark, to their big press announcement that they were going to have for yeah. the Thai media. Yeah, because when, when Sampa was there, I talked to his representatives. They mm -hmm. told me there's going to be a press conference this weekend. And unfortunately, I was going to be out of state. And I thought, okay, I can't miss this. So yeah. I made sure to... Uh, Tell them to contact you and Paula mm -hmm. so you guys can go and cover this. Yes. So this is Mother's Day. So it, obviously there's no Mother's Day in Thailand because they didn't really factor that in. So I called Jessica. I'm like, Jessica, what are you doing? She's like, it's Mother's Day. I'm with my mother. I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> mine's out of state. So um, I'm going to this Ultraman thing because I know Jessica's a big Ultraman fan. Yes. She loves Ultraman. In fact, we're, we're still working on that Ultraman episode. So... But I thought it's like, oh, this would be great. Bring her a second. Okay, no, I'm busy. I'm like, okay, I figured that. So I'm going out there solo. Mark's send me Paula's contact information because I've never met this this lovely lady. And uh, I show up. They they give me the address and they don't really tell me where it's at. They just say it's at the Thailand Palace on on Hollywood Boulevard in like Thai Town. So when you get off the freeway, you go left. You're going into the Hollywood everyone knows. You go right, and you're in like yeah. a whole other New... world. <laughs> yeah, so different. It's night and day. It's Korean Elvis territory. Yes, pretty much. Oh, yeah, very much. That I got. I, got, <laughs> I, got, I have an. I have an off. Uh, I can't talk about it here. But so I show up to this thing. I'm looking around, and like because downstairs this place is a grocery store, and upstairs is a restaurant. So I'm like, okay, maybe it's the restaurant. I walk in, and 
it's just this wide open thing. I don't see anything at first. I'm walking around like, what the? And then finally I see the Ultraman display in the back. I'm like, okay, I think I'm in the right place. So I found the the gentleman, Philip, who was uh, helping me say, oh, Christian, thank you. You made it. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm like, I I wouldn't miss this for the world, sir. (laughs) So they give me a press pass, a little press kit, which was a signed picture of the the new merchandise. It was signed by Sampo. And then a little Ultraman cutout. Which I kept looking at him like, this looks a little off. And I'm like, oh, wait, this is their Ultraman. Yeah. So There are differences. Yes. So I asked, because I was like, a, they, they said show about 12. I'm at 1.30. I'm rolling in. I'm like, I didn't miss anything. I'm like, oh, no, we're just finishing eating. I'm like, what? So there's like <laughs> 60, 70 people in this whole thing. And it's, it's, it's a surreal experience. Now, look, I'm going to make it very clear. Uh, I came in. I know what I know. But I came in just like, okay, I'm just here to cover what they have to tell me. And that's why I'm coming in as a, as a reporter. I'm not taking any sort of stance on this. So I'm just going to come in, it, let them tell me what they want to tell me, and then I will go report as such as I did in my piece for Realmcast. So first off, all very nice people. I had no quarrel with anybody, and they were all super generous to the point that it even as... Um, as I was telling uh, George over my, my buddy at the Realmcast, they're like, oh, they white-faced you. I'm like, what does that mean? It's like, in in China, they've been hiring white folk to pose as important people when they're opening businesses. So pretty much you're an actor posing as someone super important for the Chinese media. You're the token whitey? Yes, I became the token whitey because they're like, <laughs> we want to get a picture of you. because um, Nothing says success yeah. like a Caucasian American there male. There was me, me and like in that photo. four other white guys in this whole thing. Three of them happened to be in charge of the new Ultraman movie that they're apparently going to be producing. So the other fellow, he, he see me at this table at the end and was next to this, uh, this lovely girl and what looked like her white boyfriend who was taking pictures of everything. And uh, she was there as the show model when they did the big announcement. I saw her in the photos. Yes, she was taking the boxes off all the merchandise that they had. So And they were making, oh yeah, pretty girl, pretty girl. I'm like... Okay. Yeah, so, my friend looked at the photos and goes, she's too hot for this press conference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was oh, like, what is and that they made, they pointed to me? Out specifically I was like, what is that? And they that? specifically pointed out that she was Japanese, too. Hmm. So I'm just like, oh, that's interesting. Because the whole 90% of the thing was in Thai. So they actually sat uh, a gentleman down to translate everything. Because they had a 45-minute video to Mr. Sampo that read like a... I'm not, I'm trying not to be facetious, but it felt like a Korean propaganda, like a North Korean propaganda film. It was the weirdest thing. <laughs> I, I, look, I wouldn't, the, they had the, the gentleman would translate what they were saying. So it'd be like, okay, so there's this. And then they would go for 10 minutes of dialogue. Then he would just do a rundown of what they just said. You know, it's like, oh, Sampo came with the idea for Ultraman when he saw this Buddha. I'm just going, uh-huh. Yeah. And I, because... Mark had loaned me the book to take to get signed that weekend because he was going to be sh- showing up at Frankincense again. And I, I'm like, oh, I, I got this book in my hand. I got to read it. It is the diary of a madman. Look, he, <laughs> the book it looks like it was literally translated from another language to English. And so that's how it reads. The photos are great in it they're, they're, because these are from his from Sampo's personal collection uh, when he worked at Toho. Yeah, as when, an when, intern. He, when he was an intern at Toho yeah. in the early sixties, I mean, yeah. they were fantastic photos which yeah. I've never seen anywhere else. The book it, for that alone. Yeah, the book's main value lies with those. Yes, but there are some questionable ones. Especially there's one where I, I'm looking at it. Even when I'm, I'm I was looking at it initially before you pointed it out, 
There's one with, with him and Toshiro Mifune mm-hmm. that because they even mentioned it's like uh, oh Mr. Mifune was very very adamant about never getting pictures of him you know offset or you know getting makeup but he was very appreciative of Mr. Sampo enough that he allowed him to do it. There's a picture of Mifune looking like he's about ready to stab Sampo. <laughs> <laughs> Sampo's behind him taking a picture, but the picture looks a little doctored in a way too. Especially, you know, looking like looking a little back at it, it, it could very well legitimately be he came in, shot a picture in the mirror, and Mifune was like, "Get the hell out of my dressing room, you bastard!" But uh, other than that, there are there are many other pictures though that are just like, "This is too fascinating not to to ignore." So, but now that I had the rundown of what was in this book, that this video very much was that book put into in that phone. They they had all they threw all those pictures up there and all that stuff. They then made a big ribbon-cutting ceremony for Ultraman USA, Inc., as they're calling it. Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. like, we're going to release uh, the series on Blu-ray. And that was their big push. It was like, we're putting these things out on Blu-ray. And then here's our new merchandise. And then they capped it off with the announcement of the movies. So their first announcement was Jambork Ace versus Ninja Panda. I'm not making that up. <laughs> that is what they're calling it. And they didn't go into too, too much detail on that one. But the one they went on big detail one was Ultraman versus Gol, uh, Golala at the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. And I'm like, okay, you're a Thai production and you have a Japanese property and you're doing it in a, you're still sitting in Japan. One would think that if you're trying to go with international appeal, you, especially if you're not, you can't really market these things in, in the home country. You were based in America, based in uh, in Mexico or or Italy, where Ultraman's popular. So South America, like to have them fight in Rio or something like that. Some kind of world landmark. Yes, yeah. but you're doing it in 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 Japan, in Tokyo, at the Olympics, and they kept hammering home. We're approaching Mr. Will Smith to be in it because, as you know, they 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 announced that last year, and another site picked it up and ran with it. But, yeah, like, let, let me let me address that real quick okay because to this day mm-hmm. <clears throat> there was a website that pretty much just parroted your years and paul's reports mm-hmm. who still insisted that it's happening the whole will smith thing was basically at some first appearance in frank at frank and sons at the nuke the fridge con mm-hmm. in november of 2013 the nuke the uh the will smith thing was Basically, an offhanded remark somebody made. Yeah. Which the Nuke the Fridge site reported mm-hmm. as this is actually happening. Yeah. You know, you know uh, Will Smith is going to be Ultraman. Because mm-hmm. when I had lunch with uh, <clears throat> Britton Lee, who was the, you know, the head of Who Media at the time, who was handling mm-hmm. the whole Sampo account, I brought that up to him and they, they started laughing and saying, no, I said, it was just. One of the guys at the table, you know, it would be nice to have somebody like Will Smith. And it was picked up and reported yeah. as gospel truth. Oh, my God, they're going to uh, Will Smith for this. Much how a lot of yeah. news pieces get spread out like Yeah, that. but the, the funny thing is that piece got picked up by so many websites mm-hmm. and reported as fact. It's no wonder Chayo is just parroting it now because they saw that piece alone got them more publicity than anything they've ever done. Mm-hmm just by name dropping Will Smith. Mm-hmm. So now they're saying, okay, we're going to approach Will Smith. They're not saying Will Smith's going to be it. Yeah. Will Smith would never be in something they, like this. Well, they hear, well, the way they were translating it was the fact that 
the character Will Smith is going to play is going to be a track and field runner that becomes the host for Ultraman in, in you know at the Olympics. Yeah. So Galala, which is actually Gamora, because yeah. it's a horrible mispronunciation of the name. It was even the press notes that they gave me. It's Galala. And then Sampo holds up the character. This is Gol- Galala. And I'm like, that's Gamora. That's, wait, you're using actual ultra monsters. Yeah. You're not creating your own thing. Now, here's the big thing, which I did not really, <laughs> I only offhandedly mentioned because they offhandedly mentioned it too, but I picked up on it real quick. They're like, because on, on, the, on, on Sampo's table where he was sitting, there was these other action, there was these other figures that I don't think they're selling, but they have for publicity material. So they had the two crystal figures out there because those are the expensive things. But they weren't part of the merchandise table. And then they had a giant uh, Gamora figure. Mm-hmm. And then over to the side, they had a custom Jiris figure, which if you know your Ultraman lore, Jiris is a retrofitted Godzilla suit painted green with a giant frill over his neck. And in the, in the episode, Ultraman rips the frill off and there's like three, two minutes of Godzilla and Ultraman fighting with Godzilla with a bloody neck. So it's the closest thing you're ever going to get to it. They basically got uh, one of the great monster series, big, giant-sized Godzilla figures from Bandai, mm-hmm. and customized it. It's, into, a, into it, a it, it's, it's beautiful. It's a, it's a great, beautiful customization. Yeah, it's a beautiful customization. So because they did mention that uh, Golala wasn't the only monster, but he was the main monster of the movie. Yeah. He'd come down, cause a big earthquake off the coast of Japan, then he would attack the Olympics that were going on at that time. This track and field runner, which would be played by Will Smith, would become the human host for Ultraman, and Ultraman would save the day. But before that, he would fight two other monsters, including Galah. Then they held up, and this is the other monster. And I just went, you got to be kidding me. Jesus. Yes. It's like, okay, so now you're really encroaching on a few copyrights that even Subaraya has not dared touch upon. Even though that is a Subaraya monster. You're screwing Toho now. Yeah, Toho don't screw around. They no. don't play. No. So... Um, I, I didn't put too much stock in this news of like, okay, so where's this going? But right after that, they introduced the production team. I'm like, wait, what? So it's a couple of gentlemen that uh, very nice. I got to talk to them very briefly because I'm just like, I, I got it. What, what's your story? So they are a small team that came out of, uh, I believe, Don Murphy's camp or the, the Jerry Bruckheimer camp. They worked on, mm-hmm. uh, I think the last big thing they worked on was Transformers 2. So pretty much as I, I asked, I was like, how now? Did you guys come to this? Like we were approached by child. One of their um, the the members is uh, from Thailand, so that's all I got set up. So these guys, I don't think they know the history. They're just like, this is a project they want us to do. They they even said we don't know which one we're doing first. We don't know if we're doing Jamborg or we're doing Ultraman. Um, he said more than likely we're probably going to do Ultraman first because that's the big one, and then we'll do Jamborg. Like we don't even have a script laid out, so I have all their information. I'm going to. Do my best. If this actually does fall through, I'm going to try to get them on here to talk about it. Definitely. So, but they, nicest people in the world, gave me, it's a few minutes because they, again, Mother's Day. So these guys are like, yeah, we, we actually need to be going. We have to, we have yeah. things we have to do. So um, I'm, I'm actually going to get a hold of them soon. So hopefully I can have them on, have them tell their story. Because I'm pretty much just kind of telling you what they told me. Yeah. So even they were just like, we're, we're so far out. Like, they're like, they're focusing on the DVDs first off, which when Paul and I actually got to sit down with Sampo with, at the press table, as they called it, there's three other Thai ladies sitting there, and they're all speaking Thai. It's Sampo and his producer, and um, uh, Philip, the gentleman who's kind of running uh, everything for us, he's where Paul is asking, it's like, well, what about Project Ultraman? And uh, poor, this poor guy has no idea what we're talking yeah. about. So he's, I'm trying to kind of 
put in layman's terms what yeah. she's talking about. He's like, uh, hold on a second. He goes over, brings over their press book, sets it down in front of Paul and myself, and he opens up. It's the contract that is the whole crux of this whole thing. He's like, this is what we're doing. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is it. This is the, the kind. It's a photocopy of it. But it's a copy of the actual like Super Riot Child with contract. The, with the stamp and everything on it. Wow. And it's all done in English. Typed up on the typewriter. And, <laughs> yes. And I'm just like, hmm, this is interesting. I, I don't know how international copyright law worked back in the 70s, but apparently they did it in English. So I'm reading through it, and I have Paula sitting next to me, and she's reading through. She's like, oh, okay. And he is, uh, Phil pointed out, it's like, this is what we're doing. We're doing these. So they have it listed out. Ultraman 1, which is Ultra Q. And they even put in parentheses, Ultra Q. Ultraman 2, which is Ultraman. Then Ultraman 3, Ultra 7, they go all the way down to Toro. And then Jamboard Gates. And it's like, these are what we're making. And then there's the fine print underneath it where it says, uh, point A, uh, full uh, distribution deal for these. You know, you can distribute you know, copies for these. Okay, that makes sense. Point B, which is um, uh, merchandise licensing. It's like, okay, that's interesting. And I hear Paula getting ahead of me down. She's like, wait, this doesn't make sense. Full reproduction rights. And then below it's like, full character usage. Now I'm, I'm leaning over to her and I'm like, yeah, the... Uh, because uh, she was blissfully unaware of, of the backstory to it. And I'm just like, yeah, there's there. this is the shady contract that has brought a, a lot of what, what we're seeing today into, into full bloom. And she's like, Wait, this doesn't make sense. This is like, this this is too good to be true kind of thing. And so she's asking, it's like, is this, is this public record? And, he's, and poor Phil didn't have any idea what the hell we're talking about. She's like... Yeah. He's like, no, no, and he pulls it to a picture, and they got layouts. They had layouts of all their merch, their stuff they didn't have up there. But it was going by so quick, I'm like, that that figure wasn't there. That's that's an Ultra 7. You guys haven't put anything Ultra 7 on. Like, so when Paul asks, like, is this public record? Can we get a copy? He's like, oh, no. Close to the book takes it away. <laughs> so we were left talking to Sampo through a translator, which really was, it is not the greatest thing in the world, because they're trying to translate what we're asking from English to Thai and then from Thai back. So there's a lot of things that lost, you know, in translation. And, you know, pretty much we just kind of kept it very cordial. We weren't grilling them. Like, I know some people will be grilling them. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not there for that. I'm here to just simply ask questions. It's like, so pretty much what you're playing. So like, Blu-rays are what they hammer at home. We're doing the Blu-rays. And then Sampo does this whisper thing. And then the guy thinks for a second. He's like, uh, Mr. Sampo wants to know, are there any Ultraman DVDs on the market right now? I'm thinking, you don't even know what's out on the market you're trying to distribute in. I'm like, uh, yeah, there's there's a few. There's, you have Ultraman, which, you know, is out there. I think Mill Creek has it right now. Uh, and then there's, you know, Ultra Q got released by Shout Factory and Ultra 7. And that's mm -hmm. it. It's like, and he goes, Whistler's back. And then he's like, are they on Blu-ray? I'm like, no, they're not on Blu-ray. like, Oh, yay, yay, got a Blu-ray, okay. You saw, like, did you see, you know, in the video, I'm like, yeah, I saw, it looks really good. It's like, that's, that's what we're doing. That's us. So I'm like, okay. So I let Paula, well, I didn't let Paula kind of took reins and kind of asked a lot of the other questions, but I, I did ask him, it's like, are we ever going to, she was hammering, are we ever going to see Project Ultraman? And I think Sampo kind of got what we were asking yeah. him, and he's just like, yes, we will. You will see it. It's going to be part of because they're going to re-release the child films too on Blu-ray as well. well. That that I would definitely like to see. Yeah. So um, 
Pretty much, yeah. It, it let, everything you read in the article I wrote and everything, Paula went far more in depth. Yeah, if you go to Tokusatsu Network, Paula did a great article that mm. covered uh, not, not only the press conference, mm-hmm. but also kind of went over the whole history of the Chayo yes. Tsuburaya debacle. Far better than I did. I just pretty much, I did a bullet point uh, perspective on it. Yeah. Oh, no, I was cleaning yeah. something on, oh, the, yeah, on yeah. my phone. But uh, no, I mean, yeah, she, she went in far, uh, I, I needed to get it out when I did. Yeah. So I know there's a lot of people who are kind of questioning the... the yeah, the, yeah, the I, I, I kind of uh, made a point. No, this is a real report. Yeah, I, I posted pictures from the event yeah. in there too. So I do have a lot more. I threw up, uh, if you want to see any of this, there I put about 90% of the pictures I took. They're up on our Facebook right now. I'll put them in the show notes. But for anybody that is interested, we'll, we'll actually, I think... Mark and I were talking about doing like a video segment for this stuff, especially with the book. Yeah, uh, since the book will most likely never be released. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it's uh, it would be a pretty good thing to do uh, a show up, yeah. at least a segment about it. It's something we can't do on on audio format. Well, well, we've been talking about expanding our YouTube page more, yeah. other than just having you know our podcast thrown up down there. So. Uh, this might be uh, the first of something uh, bigger we're delve into, but it is something. It is a cornerstone of something that I, uh, really needs to be seen. And you know, I, I've spoken to the president of Ultraman USA Inc. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week, uh, and he's telling me more projects mm-hmm. that they're they have on the horizon. And he didn't say that they, you know, were top secret or anything. But a couple of things that they're kicking around, they want to do. Uh, an Ultraman museum, which I'm assuming is some kind of uh, maybe display at some kind of existing. Uh, Mr. Sampo did bring that up. It was the last thing he brought up. Oh, the museum. He wants to actually bring stuff from his home over to here. Yeah, for those who don't know, Sampo, uh, he he's a tremendous fan of this stuff, and his uh, at his home in Thailand, one of the things he has, he has his personal Ultraman museum, which is three stories high. He's got he, a giant Ultraman head out in front of it. Yes, yeah, he he's probably the world's foremost Ultraman collector. <laughs> and uh, and in addition to that, one of the things that was also brought up is uh, the Ultraman Bar and Grills in Japan, Kaiju yeah, Sakaba. There's one, in, yeah, there's one in Osaka and I went to the one in Kawasaki, mm-hmm. Tokyo. Um, they want to bring one to Los Angeles, which they're calling the Ultraman Cafe. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. <laughs> <laughs> When Mark showed me the pictures, when everyone else has has been there, they're like, "Yes, this is a, it's an experience. It's almost like akin to what Marvel did with the Marvel restaurant in yes. Universal Studios." From kind of what it sounds like they're aiming for, and especially if it's anything like how this press conference was set up, it is not going to be exactly what they're selling. It yeah. might be like more akin to like Quirk's Bar at the uh, Hilton when yeah. Star Trek experience Which I there. Which I do as well. Kind of some Ultramany stuff there. But you're not going to have the characters running around in the costumes and stuff like that like, like they had. Uh, not like a Kaiju Sakaba. Yeah, which they got actually no. Balton and, and uh, yeah. other characters running around, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, look, it, it, the whole crux of the thing is that I know a lot people who actually are in the know on this, on the Phantom, do give Child a lot of shit. Mm, probably rightfully so. But... I will argue this point. At least they're trying to do something right now. If they, if anything they get off is the fact that we get DVDs out of this whole thing, I think and everyone wins on that end. Yeah. I would, I would say that. Because I would... As much as Ultraman is popular in, in um, Japan, mm-hmm. and he has a following here in the United States, there's not a lot. 
we had Ultraman Towards the Future in the early 90s, which is the, what I, the, much like Doctor Who. Everyone has their Doctor. The Australian Ultraman. The Australian Ultraman is my mm-hmm. Ultraman. That's the one I grew up on. Um, Tiga, and that was it. Like yeah. that, That's the only thing we ever got. It's because not, Ultraman the Ultimate Hero was never officially released, even though it was produced here. Yes. Uh, there's a good reason for that, too. Yeah. It's really bad. Yeah, it's... it's <laughs> the suits were exceptionally... The suits were fantastic, but everything else was like... You no, know, you had you had Kane Kasugi. How could you screw this up so badly? Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, uh, well that's a whole nother... Right? That's a whole nother <laughs> podcast. Um, but, you know, I, I, Jessica, I mean, Jessica, you're a big Ultraman fan. Yes. Anything Ultraman coming your way, would you be happy with? Like, especially... Yes, I would. Uh-huh. Yes, I would, because I think it does bring a greater perspective of it into mm-hmm. the the western mm-hmm. hemisphere so i think any exposure is really good yeah. as long as it's not like super bastardized yeah which is super super changed which isn't i mean a dvd release isn't even doing that i mean the yeah DVDs they've been talking about, they're actually dubbing them so that way they're more accessible to the yes. american market yes now there are dubs that exist for ultraman ultra 7 but there are episodes actually missing out of the, the, yeah. the initial run because they did yes. didn't dub them for some reason or another. As long as you don't pull like a Godzilla '98 Catwoman Halle Berry, like <laughs> yeah, I don't where see that it's happening. so or the Elementary with Sherlock yeah. Holmes, and uh, then it's not so bad. I as long as it's a way to bring attention. I honestly don't see the movies ever happening. These new ones they're talking about, but I also at the same time also make arguments that the fact that you know. I don't know the full politics, but Super Ryan never have made a, a, a nowhere near as what Toho did to bring Ultraman over here to, the, to America. In fact, I, don't, I think Ultraman Towards the Future wasn't even handled by Super Ryan over here. I think it was another company that actually picked it up. It, I don't quote me on that, but I'm, I think that's what happened. I'm not sure. Yeah, because it was on a, a kids programming block out here in, on UPN. On UPN. Well, what became UPN? Yeah, what well, became Channel 13, yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty, it was and it also predated the the Power Ranger craze too. Yes. So, I think had it been released a year later, it was just a year too early. Yeah. Because Superhuman Samurai actually was pretty big out of that yeah. whole lineup. Yeah, the the only tie-in was the Super Nintendo Ultraman game. I love that game. Which was based on I that. I love that game. I had that game. It took me a year and a half to figure out actually how to beat the first boss that the power level had to be built I up and you could actually train them. Yeah. yeah. But uh, look, any as, as Kevin Smith said, hey, better gay Batman than no Batman. <laughs> when he mentioned Batman and Robin, better some Ultraman than no Ultraman. Yeah, one thing I hear from a lot of people is they're saying, oh, I'm not going to support anything Chiwa does. But mm-hmm. no, I, let me ask you this question: Did you buy the Shout Factory releases? Guess what? They got the, the source material for that. It mm-hmm. wasn't from Superaya. Yeah, you know. In Superaya, they have full they have full ability to release any yeah. anything after Taro. Yeah. I mean, they, Leo and AD and, was it, um, Nexus, or uh, which one is up on uh, Crunchyroll right Nebius now? And, uh, and Max. Nebius and Max, okay. So those, and they're only on a streaming service. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, I think the only reason they got those was because they're already pre-subtitled uh, for something else. I think that's, those, I, no, I, th- I believe that's the reason why they got, they got I had never known uh, subtitled uh, uh, versions to exist, but I, I'm, I'm so glad they're on Crunchyroll. If yeah. you, if you did not know, you can subscribe to Crunchyroll. You can get a month's free mm-hmm. and you can have access to all four of those shows, the English subtitles. They do allow, you kind of watch them without having to subscribe, but they do put commercials in them. Okay. So you don't want to pay the $20 a month for Crunchyroll, which is a really good service. Yeah. Uh, you can still watch them. Yeah. But again, any let them at least give them a try because Super Ray is not going to do anything right now. Yeah. Even though you would think that, especially with Pacific Rim kind of 
building the fan yeah. base as it is now. Godzilla, the night, the the legendary film. You would think at least like, okay, maybe we can move into the market here, but they're not. I mean, you have to also consider, you know, maybe it's super high things. Well, if we put out an alternate product, people are going to uh, confuse it with Chayo's product, and that we would be therefore helping to promote their products. But that's maybe, the problem. If they had, if they had hit the, if they had struck the iron before Chayo did. Yeah. It wouldn't have been that issue now. But now yeah. it's going to be that issue. Yeah. So now you're pretty much left. So I, I still say, like, Samurai, they have, in many ways, dropped their own ball. You know, at least trying to get Ultraman out here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it is what it is. So, I mean, it took yeah. Deke to license uh, Gridman to bring anything Samurai out here for the longest time. That's true. Gridman mm-hmm. was Samurai. Yeah, that was their last non-Ultraman-based... Yeah. Even though it was basically a power suited Ultraman, yes. Like a... <laughs> I still, I still say that that could be done again today. Like you, all you have to do is just, it's essentially Tron in Ultraman. Yeah, and it could be really, it could be done exceptionally well today. So, yeah, well, I mean, like like Andromelos, which is another you know kind of obscure super production, which is basically power suited Ultraman. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, Gridman was like an updated version of that. Yeah. Set, they have, they set have, in the cyber world. Yeah. And they had the real world one that was going to come out called Gridman uh, Sigma, but that never got yeah. out past the production phase. And there's that new Gridman thing you showed the me. The short made by Trigger Studios, which yeah. actually brings that full circle. Yeah. They bring Gridman Sigma into it. All right. Well, you know, that I wanted to talk about that because mostly because it was a surreal, a surreal experience. I, I can't put into words how weird it was being at this thing. Yeah. But again... Which I'm yeah. glad you covered it because mm-hmm. no one ever covers child stuff at all. Mm-hmm. And and also for a reason too because you know, until I talked to them at Frankenstein's, this thing was only targeted toward Thai-speaking media in but the U.S. But it was in Hollywood though, which is a kind of a weird thing. But like, still, I, I know yeah. why they did it. Yeah. It's like, Thai town in Hollywood. We're in Thai town in Hollywood, but they're coming out from... Because they were flying back to, they were flying back to Thailand like the next day. Yeah, I'm But it was like having the... Like, we're making the announcement in Hollywood. You're in another country. Hollywood's Hollywood. Big yeah. sign, whatever thing. Yeah. Not really listening. Yeah, Hollywood's really kind of skanky. <laughs> yeah. Hollywood is not where a lot yeah. of the movies, yeah. no yeah. movie studio. People don't Hollywood. realize the realities of Hollywood. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Hollywood doesn't look like what you think it does in the movies. No, there's yeah. a lot of bums in Hollywood. And, <laughs> and, and all the production facilities are not Hollywood. They're in no. Culver City. Burbank. Burbank. Yeah. 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 Uh, studio City up the street. But, you know, it, it is the, you know, I know why they did it. Like, yeah. right from Hollywood, you yeah. know, it's the exact reason why Toho had Final, Final Wars, Wars premiered out here. Because we're premiering in, in Hollywood, yeah. like, where movies are made. So, well, yeah. But, you know, at least they put on a spectacle. This was like uh, a, a bar mitzvah done on a budget. That's the best way I can put it. Because it was, this is where they have a backdrop where it looks like bands play. And I, someone told me that, like, Korean Elvis played there or something like that at one point. And it's, it was, there's like 60 or 70 people. They're serving mediocre Thai food, but at least a legitimate Thai food, yeah. though. And they're all kind of like patting each other on the back, trying to make these announcements. It's just like, you have three people here covering this thing. It's like, what? what? You call it mediocre, they probably call it authentic. Yeah, they call it authentic. <laughs> so. Yeah, it, it, you know, they, they even asked, it's like, do, do you kind of put the, the lady who was, was signing me in, she's like, have you ever had Thai food? I'm like, oh, I've had Thai food. Believe me, I'm. So I pointed to my gut. I'm just like, I like Thai. I didn't food. get that on salad. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but it was, it was just a real thing. And I know um, 
like the article I wrote got got picked up a lot. A lot of people passed around, yeah. and I only reported it as what they told me. Like yeah. I didn't put any of the. No, because was, I wanted to leave it for this. I actually kind yours of. Yours was very basic. Yeah. Yes, and Paula, if you want to read anything more in depth, please go read Paula's piece over at Tokusite. I'll put it. I'll put a uh, um, link in the uh, show notes for it. But she gets far more in depth about it. If you want to read up anything, and I'll put the Sci-Fi Japan piece on Child in there. But again, I wanted to save that story because it was a week ago and it was weird as hell. Uh, for this to kind of explain what they explained to me, yeah. so because I, I did see a lot of people were like, uh, it's, what, "There's nobody else covering this." There's a reason why because Paul and I were the only ones there, yeah. and there was no like I don't think the Thai media has even picked it up yet because I saw a lot of a lot of uh, Thai uh, uh, entities picked it up. I I have YouTube. I have friends in Thailand on mm. Facebook who are messaging me because they're picking up your article and this mm. is the only thing they've read about it so far. Yeah, so yeah, if all there, I was there. This is exactly what they told me. So that's, well, I will leave it at that because we're kind of running long already. And I got to get Jessica phone. Oh, no, 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 no yes. problem. No, this is really interesting because I could not be there. I was, I was with my mommy for Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, you probably, yeah. I can only imagine you'd be like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> it was, it was, it was like a Wes Anderson film of awkwardness. I got, I got a shift of like your, all your pictures, which I mm-hmm. still have. Yeah. And I'm looking at this and you're like, it's the press conference. And I was like, yeah. And I'm like. But it's mommy's day. Yeah, but they don't know that over here. Like, is this not an international thing? No, apparently not. Like, uh, much, I didn't know. Much like uh, when everyone was questioning the the Ano news, it's like, wait, this, look at the date. Is this? Is, are they jostling us? Well, they do have new, uh, April Fools in Japan. Do they? Yeah, but not like here. But yeah, okay. but they do do April Fools jokes. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, but then that it took a while for people to realize. Yeah, that yeah. was legitimate. This one, I know a lot of people are like, it's this. this people are some... still questioning its, it's legitimacy yeah. in many ways. Yes. On more than one level. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, you can question only one of whether or not any of this will ever come to, to the light of day. But this is what they told me. Yeah. This is what I'm reporting to you. And I kind of wanted to give a lot of context to it because it's just, it was so damn weird. It was just, it was an odd thing. And uh, when we sit back down with Mark for one of our first video segments, you'll see why when you. You have to see this book, and there's and there's more to that which we're not reporting yet because I'm not sure it's supposed to be made public yet. But, yeah, so uh, there's there's more to come in the, yeah. in the next month. Okay, well that'll do it for this edition of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. Jessica, where can the people find more of our work? Oh yes, we are on Facebook mm-hmm. as the Kaiju Kingdom podcast, also on Tumblr, the Kaiju Kingdom podcast, and also same as our email, the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. Uh, we are also found on iTunes. And also on Twitter, we are the Kaiju Kingdom. There is no podcast at the end of that word. And that's where you can actually find us to discuss, click like, be our friends, or maybe if you don't like something, comment it. And I will let Chris write that comment back. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where actually you can find us. And uh, where can they find more of your work? More of me. Okay, so I'm on currently on three sites, which is thecombookgirl.com and girlongeek.com. And my newest site is littlegeekgirls.com, where it's a support <laughs> site uh, for girls that, like, younger age, under the age of 12, um, who are into geek things or want to be in geek things, and them or their parents or their guardians don't really know where to start. So it's more of a solidarity and breaking down, I guess, the whole gender idea. Like, because when I grew up, comic books were for boys. Godzilla <laughs> was for boys, and now it shouldn't be. It's it's 2015. It shouldn't be that way. And um, I'm also on Facebook as Jessica Sang, T S E A N G. So 
you can always Facebook friend me. Um, please send me an inbox. I will now check my other folder, which I realize a lot of those messages are going. I'm so sorry. It took so long. I just realized that. And then just send me a message and say that, you know, you, you know, I told you on this podcast, you heard me here. And then I will accept your Facebook friend request just because in the world of paranoia, don't know where the randos come out of. <laughs> so you want to be true. sure. Yes. You just want to be sure. Yep. And uh, Mark, you have a site as well, do you not? Yes, uh, www.insearchofmonsters.com, which I promise I will update. <laughs> uh, I'll put some stuff up. You no, know, Kaiju Gaiden, my documentary, is still in the works. Um, uh, however, uh, next month, June 20th, I will be up in San Francisco area, San Leandro, California, to be mm -hmm. exact, as part of Godzilla Night 4, put on by Bay, Bay Area Film Events. And uh, Kaiju Gaiden was originally supposed to be shown there for its first time, but it's not going to be ready yet. So instead, when I'm, I'm going to be up there doing a mini film festival, actually showing the movies covered oh. by Kaiju Gaiden. Not only the first part, but parts that were not scheduled to come out for some time. Mm. I will be showing clips from Wolfman vs. Godzilla, in addition to other films, uh, not only from Japan, but also from other countries, Indonesia... China. You got a, you have, you have a satchel of eclectic. Yep. Yes. I promise you, if you attend this event, you will see things that you have not been shown anywhere else. No. And like this, and it's even beyond the the the, uh, the panel we did at Kamikaze, where you you humbly showed a, a just a little sizzle reel, if you will. I'll have an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, because what you showed us was like five minutes worth yeah. of stuff. Did you? Is is there tickets that need to be purchased? Yes, uh, uh, or... I think Bay Area Film Events has their own website, or you can look them up on Facebook. Uh, you can uh, type in Godzilla Night Four, or Bay Area Film Events, or the Bal Theater B A L, and uh, you should get uh, a link to the site uh, in the show notes. I'll give you exact information on okay. how to get a hold of that awesome. and buy tickets. So. All right, and then, of course, you can always check me out on realmcast.com. i got a million things going on over there. And, again, if you saw the Ultraman article, that's where it originated from, too. So. <laughs> the real MCast. Yeah, the real MCast is we were picked up by sci-fi.com. Uh, that's what they called us, the real MCast. <laughs> which, which, not the first time we've been called that, either. As opposed to the fake MCast. Yes, the fake, <laughs> which, uh, to, much to George's detriment, it's like, for the love of God, we're not the real MCast. Because I told him about that, he's just like... Yeah, that's not the first time I've heard that. It's like we sound like an eight, a poor 80s rap group. So I'm like, yeah, we should be out there with our boom boxes, man, just hitting the streets hard. So he's like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. So, yeah, you can check us out there. Um, this will probably be the only episode for the month of May. We were kind of busy, and we had a lot of stuff coming up. So, But next month, we got a, I got a lot of stuff lined up. Uh, Mr. Delgado is coming back in Yay! to uh, pimp his new book, Age of Reptiles. Yes. And uh, he said he's got some more Godzilla stories he wants to talk about. And then uh, we're going into Comic-Con. Found out yep. Jessica and I are going, so we'll Je have that. Yep. And then, Mark, I expect a full report back from G-Fest. Which is happening at the same time. The same weekend as Comic-Con once again. As yes. Comic-Con. So... I will be up at G-Fest yes. in Chicago, uh, and August Fragoni will be there as a guest. And they just announced today, uh, Yukijiro Hotaru, Inspector Osako from the Gamera series, will be a guest at G-Fest. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, I think I can announce this now. Mm -hmm. At G-Fest, there will be exclusive trailers for both Wolfman vs. Godzilla and 
Deep Sea Monster Raga versus Volcano Beast Oga, Ooh. the new film by Shinpei Hayashiya, which both are expected to be completed by next year, and both will hopefully make their premiere at G-Fest 2016. Ooh, finally. Yes. Finally. Oh, it's exciting times. Exciting times. All right. Well, that will do it for this edition of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. For myself. And Jessica. And Mark. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.